Well, hey, good morning, Propel Church. My name is Pastor Nick. I want to say welcome if this is your first time with us. We're so glad that you're here today. This weekend is a special weekend because it's Memorial Day, which is where we take the time to honor those who have lost their life in the act of service. I just want to take a second and give us a moment of silence as we honor those who have sacrificed their life so that we could have religious freedoms. Thanks so much for joining me in that. And as we continue in this morning, we are entering into a series. We started last week by answering the question, how do I share my faith? This series is called Asking for a Friend. And so there's probably some questions that you and I tend to have that we may not feel comfortable asking in church. But today, we want to continue diving into those. And I want to talk to you about how to deal with difficult people. Now, the truth is, we all have difficult people in our life. And if you're having a hard time identifying that difficult person, the chances are you're probably it. You're probably that incredibly difficult person. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. You can look at the people in your living room right now or whoever you're sitting with. Don't elbow them, but just turn to them and say, I'm glad you're listening to this message today. Maybe you ought to text a friend right now and hit that share button to say, hey, this message is on difficult people and I think you should listen. The truth is we all have difficult people in our lives and I've been thinking about what difficult people look like. So I just wanted to read you a list of some difficult people that I have. Now I think for all of us, some people who we would deem difficult would be cranky people, mean people, crazy people, pushy people, people who are too loud, people who are too soft, people who are too slow, people who are just way too overbearing, people who are self-centered, people who are negative, nitpicky, slow drivers, maybe even fast drivers, people who are weird, aggressive, or harsh, people who are intimidating, people who are lazy, people who are greedy, People who are whiny, inconsiderate, nagging, distracted, and my favorite, people who love cats. And I know what you're thinking. People who love cats, those are not difficult people. And if I met your cat, I would love your cat. I would not. I would never love your cat. Right? The truth is, we've all got some difficult people in our lives. And normally, difficult people give us either a flight or fight response. When we see difficult people, a flight response would be to avoid them. But the truth is, you're never going to be able to avoid difficult people. Because as long as people are around, you're going to have difficulties with people for the rest of your life. And for others of us, when we encounter a difficult person, you have a fight response. And the truth is, Whether you want to or not, you can't throat punch people for the rest of your life. So if a flight response or a fight response is not necessarily the right way to deal with difficult people, how do we deal with those people who are difficult? Because all of us are going to experience it. And the truth is we're not going to find the right answers in anywhere other than Scripture. One of the reasons why I love series like Asking for a Friend is because it teaches us that the answers we need to the questions we have are actually found in God's Word. Now, before we enter into God's Word today, I do want to challenge you. 
Because a lot of times what you and I will do when it comes to scripture is we'll already have these preconceived notions or ideas. Then when we get to scripture, we try and force scripture to fit the opinions that we already have. But let me challenge you with this. I believe today, if you'll drop those preconceived notions or those ideas you already have, and you let scripture formulate your opinions, you're not only going to be able to deal with difficult people better, but you're actually going to be able to deal with difficult people in a way that glorifies and honors God. So let's go to a passage of scripture in Luke chapter, 20, chapter 6, verse 27. This is what it says. It says, but to you who are listening, I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Now, if we're totally honest right here, you would say, well, these people that are difficult, they're not, they're not my enemy. But what Jesus is really trying to do for you and I is broaden the horizon of people that we think we're supposed to love. Normally, when we think about loving others, we don't think, oh, my enemies, those are the people I'm supposed to love. But what Jesus is saying is, if you're supposed to love your enemies, let me just challenge you, you're probably even more so supposed to love those people who give you difficulties, who challenge you, who are frustrating and cause you distress. Jesus is giving you and I this incredibly difficult saying, and I would argue it's one of the hardest sayings of Jesus. Let's pull that verse back up one more time. It says, to love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. The truth is, our world teaches us the exact opposite. The world teaches us to hate those who are our enemies, to seek revenge on those who hate us, to avoid those who curse us, and to gossip about those who mistreat us. But what Jesus is doing for you and I is giving us a countercultural way of living. I believe it's a way of living that is only able to happen when we have a thriving relationship with God. But I want to walk you through those four simple things and talk about those today as we look at dealing with difficult people. The first is this, to love them, to love them. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're taking notes right now and you're thinking about those difficult people in your life, you're thinking, I can't love them because they don't deserve it. But the truth is, We don't deserve the love that God has given us. So if we're followers of Jesus, now if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to give you some insight on how followers of Jesus are supposed to live. And at the end of this message, you're going to get an invitation to begin to follow Jesus. But for followers of Jesus, if you're watching this right now, you're called to love your enemies, even if you feel like they don't deserve it. Because the truth is, we're not deserving of God's love, and yet God chooses to give us his love anyways. Our capacity to love is actually directly connected to what we've received from God ourselves. Look at what 1 John 4, 9 says. We love, why? Because he first loved us. So if you and I are experiencing a difficulty in our ability to love other people, perhaps based on what scripture teaches us, it's because we've not fully received the love of God. 
When we understand just how much God loves us, that he was willing to send Jesus in our place to die for our sin, that he was willing to look past our faults and flaws and failures, we get a better understanding of how we can love others. Can we do that in our own strength? Absolutely not. But when we're dependent on our relationship with God, Scripture is really clear that it's in our weakness that he is made strong, that his strength is made perfect. So if you're a follower of Jesus watching this and you feel like when it comes to your enemies or your difficult people that you encounter that you don't have the capacity to love them, you are the perfect candidate for God's strength to be made perfect, that you get to love other people because he first loved you. So Jesus's first challenge is to love those who are difficult. The second thing he says is to do good towards them, to do good towards them. Now the original word that's written here means to act rightly toward them, to extend righteousness. Now what you and I normally do is we try and trade insult for insult, or we make a list of people's wrongdoings and we begin to hold things against them. We make that list. To do good towards them is to not hold their wrongdoings against them. What would your life look like if you started extending kindness towards those people? What if you brought those difficult people breakfast? Come on, there's a lot of problems that can be overcome by a Krispy Kreme donut. Can I get an amen? Right? There's a lot of things that can shift if you just simply bring your grumpy coworker a cup of coffee at three o'clock in the afternoon to just say, I was thinking about you today. What acts of kindness can you do to those difficult people in your life? You should serve those difficult people. You say, well, I don't know if I'm really called to serve them. But Jesus models it for you and I really clearly when he washes the feet of the disciples. Jesus chooses to serve Peter knowing that Peter would deny him. He chooses to serve Judas knowing that Judas would betray him. And so even if you feel like the people who you're serving may do you wrong, it doesn't change the call of God on your life to serve other people. You're called to do good towards those people. Extend kindness. Christian, let me tell you really clearly that passive aggressive is not a fruit of the Spirit. It will never glorify and honor God. Our calling as followers of Jesus are to exemplify spiritual fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Passive aggressive never made that list, and it shouldn't make the list for us either. And what many of us do is we wait on the other person to start doing good towards us, and then we just reciprocate that kindness towards them. But Scripture says that while we were still sinning, God sent Jesus to die in our place. In other words, God didn't wait for you and I to start doing good to then do good to us. He saw us in our brokenness, and he chose to do good towards us. And if you choose to take that posture, I believe that God blesses it and honors it. Look what this passage of scripture says in Matthew chapter 5. It says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. 
In other words, you think a simple act of kindness like bringing donuts to somebody isn't actually a big deal, but one of the things that it does is it allows people to see God in you, and as they see God in you, they don't look toward you. Ultimately, they see God and they glorify Him. What if every action you have actually has the ability to push people towards Jesus? That's our goal in this. So we're going to love others. We're going to do good to them. The third thing that Jesus says is bless them. One of the best ways that you can bless people is to honor them with your words. Encouraging words go a long way. If you look at your office and you look at the people who are filled with encouraging words over discouraging words, you're going to see people who gain a lot more favor and credibility. Because when you choose to bless others, when you choose to honor people with the way you interact with them, I'm just telling you, honor is the key that unlocks so many doors in our life. Honor is one of those things where typically we look at the actions of another person and we think, well, I'm not going to honor them or I'm not going to bless them because they're not doing that to me. But honor is based on the character that God has called you to. Honor is based on the standard in which God has called you to live. It doesn't matter about the actions of another person. And I'm not telling you to become a doormat, but here's what I will say. Jesus was really clear that if people hated them, that they may hate you as well. Jesus was really clear that you may experience persecution, but that doesn't change the call on your life to serve and to honor people with your words, to bless those. Jesus has blessed those who who persecute you, blessed those who hate you. I believe honor is a big part of that. One of the ways that we bless other people as well is by, you can just write this down. This is just, I think, one of the greatest nuggets of wisdom that I've received from somebody in my life is to extend graceful assumptions. One of the most difficult things when you're encountering people who are, who are difficult is to believe the best about their intentions. But the truth is, in our own life, we would love for others to judge us. We judge others based on our actions, but we want them to judge us based on our intentions. And if we would choose to assume the best about other people, we're going to begin to see them as God sees them. Now, that's not to say we're going to think that they're perfect, but when you stop believing the worst about people, they may change the way that they interact and engage with you. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and we were talking about their marriage. Their, their difficult person was their spouse, and one of the things that they kept saying is they always do blank. They always do blank. And I asked them, why are you mad at them? Because they're just meeting your expectation. We don't understand sometimes the power that our words possess and carry. And truthfully, I don't think we have the right to get mad at people when they meet the expectation that we've already placed on them. If you start believing the best about others, they might actually do what you're believing in them to accomplish. Our words carry weight and they carry significant power. 1 Peter 3.9 says this, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For, thi- for to this you were called that you may obtain blessing. Look, when you choose to give generously, when you choose to bless, even though the other person may not be a blessing to you, 
more blessing comes on your life. When you choose to not repay evil for evil, but you choose to bless even when you don't feel like it, you're a good steward of your resources that God has given you. And because of that, he gives you even more. Because if God knows that he can trust you with little, he'll entrust you with much. The fourth thing that it says is to pray for them. Pray for them. So what are we going to do? We're going to love them. We're going to do good towards them. We're going to bless them. And we're going to pray for them. Now, I know you may have thought that I was going to give you, like you thought this message was going to go a totally different route. But the truth is, the answer to the question we have is found in God's word. You want to know how to overcome difficult people, how to deal with them? You love them, you do good, you bless them, and you pray for them. And the reason why you pray for them is it's hard to gossip about what you're praying for in somebody else. It's hard to talk bad about somebody when I stand before God and believe the best about their future and I'm praying for God to do a mighty work in their life. It's hard for me to call out the worst when I'm praying that God would do a miracle in their life. And what the enemy wants you and I to do is to get stuck in gossip, to get stuck in conversations with other people where we're consistently tearing down. But let me just tell you, if you would pray about it more than you complained about it, you'd start to see God do some incredible things in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, and even in your city. We're called to pray for difficult people. Jesus is one of those people, I love what he says on the cross. As Jesus is hanging on the cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, I want you to look at the words of Jesus. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots, and they divided his garments. One of the reasons that Jesus is praying this to God is because he realizes that some people don't understand how their actions directly impact you. Pray for them. Pray for them. One of the last things Jesus does on the cross is he models for you what he taught us in Luke chapter 6, to pray for those who hate you, who choose to cause you harm. Because the truth is, one of the things that prayer does is it aligns your heart with the heart of God. One of the best things that happens for me when I choose to pray for difficult people in my life is I actually begin to see them as God sees them. I actually begin to see the value that God has already spoken over their life and placed on their life because they're not just a person who causes me pain. They're a person who Jesus died for and who he loves tremendously. Love them. Do good. Bless them. And pray for them. And in this chapter in Luke chapter 6, when Jesus is talking, he says this in verse 29, which again, this is, you're not going to like this, but let me just read it to you. It says, If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do. To you. 
Now, when we read this passage of scripture, we might think that Jesus is calling us to be a doormat or, or that we're supposed to get walked over. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. Here's what I believe. What Jesus is saying is sometimes broken people do things that broken people do, and we need to realize that we're not perfect. We don't have it all together, and the same grace that we desire for God to extend to us in the middle of our mistakes is the same grace that we ought to extend to other people in their times of need and crisis. Does it mean that you agree with what they did? No, you can sin and God doesn't agree with what you did, but he chooses to love you and give you grace anyways. Let's keep reading verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to only those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those who, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He, uh, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. What Jesus is really showing you and I through this passage of scripture in Luke chapter six is what it looks like for you and I to love difficult people as followers of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're gonna agree with everything that they do and it doesn't mean we even have to like it. But if you want to know what God has to say about the difficult people in your life, he says, to be kind to the ungrateful and the wicked and to be merciful just as he is merciful. Period. Like I could, I have a headset on, but I could drop the mic and like walk out. That's the answer to the question. To be merciful just as he is merciful. And the truth is, when you and I interact with difficult people, many times we disqualify ourselves from sharing Jesus with others based on the way we treat those who we don't agree with. And what God is asking and challenging us to do is to see that every difficult person we have an encounter with is a person Jesus died for, which means that there's an opportunity for us to show Jesus to to them at every turn. Do your actions point people towards Jesus or further away from him? Because for all of us who are followers of Jesus, the call in our life is to propel people towards him, to push people into the presence of God, even by the way we treat those who we deem difficult. And so for me, the best thing that I've learned in this is that I have to stop asking God to change them and start asking God to change me. If you're watching this today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop asking God to change those difficult people in your life, and I want you to start asking God to change you. Start asking God to change the way you act and interact with those people who you deem difficult. Start asking God to change the conversation patterns that you have with the people you're in conflict with. Start asking God to change your heart when you hear that person talk from the other end of the hallway. Start asking God to 
change the way you model your life. So when it comes to that person who you're frustrated with and you're, you'd rather throw coffee at them than bring them coffee, start asking God to change your heart. Because at every turn, what you and I are going to discover as followers of Jesus when we deal with difficult people is the issues that we still have in our own heart. And we can pray for God to change other people all day, but I'm telling you, you'll be more blessed if you start asking God to change you from the inside out. You and I, Jesus is really clear that we don't need to focus on the speck or the splinter in somebody else's eye when we have a log stuck in our own. And the truth is, while you may have difficult people in your life, you're that difficult person for somebody else. So start praying that God would change you, that he would transform you from the inside out. And through that, you're going to experience blessing, grace, and mercy like never before. Love your enemies, do good to them, bless them, and pray for them. And if you're watching this right now, for some of you, you don't have a relationship with God. And so when we talk about loving your enemies or even loving difficult people, without Christ in your life, you don't possess the natural capacity to extend that love. Because in order for us to love the way that God has called us to, we must have first received the love that he has for us. So maybe the best thing you can do today is not just to say, I need to become better, but the truth is you need Jesus. You need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I want you to know that despite your faults, your flaws, and your failures, God loved you so much that he would send Jesus to die in your place as the full payment of your sin. He he chose to die so that you could have a relationship with him. And then out of that relationship, you could begin to love others in a way that you never had the capacity to before. If you want to make that decision today, I want to simply walk you through a prayer that says this, Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.